two of our uh, episode recorded on November 3rd. I am Lee. I'm here. I'm joined by Spencer. Spencer, say hey to the people. Hey, everybody. Uh, BJ, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Levi, Boston Own, what happened? It is what it do. Okay, well, in part one, we tried the Burning Chair Whiskey. Um, yeah. It was it was good, but it's a blended whiskey. Obviously, I don't think it really um, stood out to anybody um, as particularly bad or particularly great. Um, it was very solid, very solid. It stood yeah, very in, solid. in its in its in its sort of genericness, right? It was mm-hmm. it was very good at a very generic, pleasant experience. Like we talk we talk about what our generic good whiskey is, like to compare other things to. It's kind of that now. Where it's, I'd say it's too good to be that kind of category, but it is like just a very good generic. I, I, I well, I, I brought it up because I like it. Because, but as a good steak restaurant, where it's just like it's probably not something you want to pay for on a regular basis, but you know, once in a blue moon, because you know exactly what you're gonna get. Mm-hmm. Speaking of steak restaurants, did you see that review in the New York Times of some steak steak uh, house in NYC? No, but I feel like I should check it out. I'll, I'll I'll send it to you. But basically, this this food writer for the New York Times did a review of a steakhouse and was basically like, "This is bland, uh, interesting." I had to admit to you, I love a good food review takedown piece. It was it it was. I don't read food reviews. It's not a thing that I do. But I saw that this was sort of being shared, and I was like, maybe this is just a bunch of hype train of people from you know journalists in New York. But when I read it, I was like, oh, this is like really funny. <laughs> this is like stunning, stunningly. Uh, uh, blunt about what steakhouses can can be right steakhouses can be very very generic and it's like yeah. this is really uninteresting it's just like a pretty good piece of meat mm-hmm. the food review uh of guy fieri's restaurant a few years back i did i did that was strong i thought it was a little bit mean but um <laughs> oh, fair, but, but mean he serves donkey sauce he deserved it <laughs> Cool. All right. Well, um, BJ, anything you want to plug before we jump into our second whiskey? Uh, yeah. Uh, so we've been having a lot of fun with uh, our chapter by chapter read of Harry Potter. Um, and if you like things that are uh, amazing, you should check out our special Halloween episode um, where we did where we released a Halloween chapter of the first book of Harry Potter on Halloween. And there's as a uh, trick and a treat. And it's been a lot of fun. Um, and then we're do, we're continuing with that, and then we have some short stories with Mangum Breeds, and yeah, it's been all sorts of fun. Cool. All right. Yeah, I like that Halloween episode. Uh, big proponent of that one. Well, all right. So your second whiskey. Entirely we're unrelated play. manner. Um, let me just jump in. Spencer, do you do you still not have like a proper email address? Is it still Virginia.edu? I have other email addresses if need be. Why? doesn't like sharing them with his friends because uh, they have important things in them. So so he has his gamer tag. He's like sending podcasts on them. <laughs> what Levi's referencing here is Spencer has been out of law school now. How many years, Spencer? I graduated in 2011. And you still have an email address associated with the university? I still have a UNC email address if they hadn't cut me off after three years. Well, you can pay for it and get an alumni one, but... Well, I wasn't going to do that. Of course not. That. That's ludicrous. I'm just saying, Spencer, you probably should get like a generic a Gmail account. I have a, I have a live. I also have a Gmail. I've got other ones too. I actually, have, how many email? Live? You, you led with that? You have Hotmail? 
I have. I, the reason I think about that is because I recently had to change my password on it, so I had to change my Xbox's password because of it. You you check that email? I feel like I have that email, but yeah, I, I check them all. There, I got them all loaded in now into the Windows Mail app, so they all come up when I whenever I'm checking my email. The Windows yeah. Mail app. Okay. Um, okay. Well, I feel like if we get into the uh, let's drink spiral that is Spencer's relationship with technology we will not lose it um and i feel like there are other things that, that we should be talking about not least of which is this whiskey which um i'm getting some interesting smells from we're drinking the next one is the one um piece of scotch tape yeah that's it, it's got some smells to it let's put it that way yeah. as i mentioned on our first pod the last whiskey we're going to do. Our third whiskey of the day is going to be a peanut butter whiskey. So I tried to give you guys a couple solid options before forcing you to try peanut butter whiskey. Have you tried the peanut butter yet? I have not. Oh God, we're all going in fresh. We smelled it. It does have smells. Um, so this one, like the smell to it, I was wondering if you um, were messing with us because I actually thought that you might have put the peanut butter in the first and so I smelled each of the ones from zero tape to two tape and the one tape I was wondering if you had gotten an apple whiskey because it distinctly smelled of Gran like Granny Smith apples to me, but that might have been because I was projecting like I wonder if if Lee just went all right, you know we already have Fireball down so I can't do Fireball again, but what other flavored whiskeys can I send out along with the peanut butter and do like an apple peanut butter like uh, thing? I was about to drink this and then you said Fireball and now I'm not. Um, all right. <laughs> It's not fireball. It's fine. Oh, you're trying to get back, Spencer. It actually reminds me a little bit of um, not the French whiskey that we had uh, last New Year's that that uh, us punch me in the gut. Um, that was in brandy, but there's uh, another one that I actually quite like. That's a more normal, like forty percent. That just reminds me of peaches. Um, that I uh, quite like. And so I get a lot of like fruit flavors from this that, that I find pleasant. There's undercurrent of fruit, but I'm getting a lot of smokiness from me. I, you know, I, I'd love to say campfire, but yeah, this taste of that for me. Um, yeah, okay. I mean, for me, I'm, I'm getting actually very, very much a smoky taste. Let me, let me drink more. What are you testing? I guess I guess I can see why you'd think that. Um, I mean, there's a small little bit of peatiness to it. Um, it's it's very, very light, um, very dry, as opposed to like typical peatiness, which is very heavy in your mouth, um, sort of envelops the, the entire mouth, at least for me. Um, Much more on the tongue. BJ's giving, giving a eyebrow raise, so so come in hot, BJ, and take down our, our amateurish uh, reviews of whiskey. I mean, like, it, you know, it, it is what you taste. I mean, like I've, I've the... The peat flavors, which I think are, you know, getting towards the like IPAs of, of five, 10 years ago, where a lot of people are just going in like as much peat as possible. And you get like the smoky and wood glue with flavors and, and there are lighter peats, but this just doesn't have that like flavor to me. It has like the toasted, uh, like charred barrel flavor, which I think might be where you're getting the, the smoky and or peaty flavors, but. I said campfire. That's what I was going with, and I'm sticking to that term. Fair enough. Well, I'll tell you guys what it is. <clears throat> it is a Scotch whiskey. 
It's called Glen Farkless. It's a 12-year um, Highland single malt scotch whiskey, and it is sherried, meaning it's stored in barrels. So I think that's the sweetness that everybody's getting, but it is a scotch. That's why Spencer is tasting campfire. Well, I, like, I enjoy the campfire now. Well, not all scotches are peated, but yes, that I, I think that that does uh, lend it a little bit more to, towards the uh, those flavors. Um, I still love the fact that uh, there isn't enough sherry consumed anymore to provide for the yeah yeah that is weird but anyway uh yeah glenn fark was 12 it um it cost me about 60 dollars uh, but I see online it's um available for cheaper if you want to order it online i think i saw one for 45 i, I would think it's a pretty good scotch yeah i wouldn't say it's the best scotch we've had but it's perfectly solid for it we were on the topic of your odd relationship to technology and yeah. you, mm -hmm. you get a lot of crap for it. Um, I will just in the interest of full disclosure, I, my heart is with you. Um, it, it's utterly with you. Um, as a person who, who works in the technology space, um, in my personal life, I hate technology in, in some sense, like last <laughs> time we were trying to coordinate playing uh, destiny. It, it annoyed me to no end that things weren't working. Right. And I, I mean, I, I figured it out. I, I figured out how to how to get the settings appropriately on my router. Um, but it, it annoyed me to know in that that something that went from working went to not working um, with no change on my my side, and it required me to think about stuff. Um, when, when in reality, I just wanted a system where I press start and I start playing a video game, and that's all I that's all I get. So I'm with you, Spencer. Um, in my heart, I get frustrated the same way, same way as you are. Um, you take it to a higher degree, more sophisticated. <laughs> I, I love technology. I like playing with it, fiddling with it, but I feel like I'm not that good at it. <laughs> and it's interesting for me to hear you, you, Levi, say you don't you don't like that because I anytime something breaks and you're around, I'm like, uh, Levi, could you uh, take a look at this? I don't know how to fix I it. I can, right? But I, I don't want to have to. Um, and that's the weird thing for me in my space. Like I, um, I ran Windows 7 on my work laptop for far longer than I really should have. Um, most people had upgraded to Windows 10 at that point. And I, I use it forever because I, I don't want to manage my platform. I want it to work and me just to be able to do work. Like changes to my workflow annoy me. Um, so yeah, it's it, it it's very weird, right? I take approach of I'm, a, I'm okay with technology in the space of my job, but outside of my job or as a, a means to do in my job, it is just frustrating and annoying to me. It's not, it's not I feel like I, I really understand and I, I am 100% with you on your position and maybe I'm ascribing something to it that's not there, but I feel like there are portions of technology that are tech that are just technology. They're not like an improvement. And I feel like what technology should be is making things easier and you know making accomplish some task easier better or whatever it is and when it doesn't and it's just like some change so it's new that's like the worst thing that that technology has sort of ended up being and so like okay there's a new operating system does it work better than windows 7 does it work better than like windows 98 like because you know things that are stable and work well and they just 
are supposed to do things better and faster, and if they don't actually do it, then they're the worst, even though they're shiny and new. And yeah, I don't know if operating systems is the best example there, only because not. the answer is always yes, the upgrade is better. But it just depends on what you're what what you're measuring and what you're what you're talking about. Because there may yeah. be three or four things that you do on a regular basis that it seems like the update messed up, but then yeah. they can probably throw a hundred examples of improvements on all this other crap that they did. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. I mean, I feel like there are things like um, there are there are other examples. I think video chat can be one of them in yeah. terms of just like being able to communicate with people where like, it's not in many ways, it's not an improvement when you're just trying to communicate something, when you're just trying to talk with other people and, but like the barrier to it gets higher. And so that becoming a norm, I feel like is problematic. And I'm doing this while we are video chatting, but it, I feel like that, like it has a good space. And I think this is a good space for it. Whereas, it baffles me and, and just like surprises me that like people just sort of FaceTime all the time. And then there's like this whole like, oh, but I have to like make sure that like I, my hair's right or whatever for this FaceTime because that's like what I do with my friends all of the time. A good example, I think for me would be cloud storage as opposed to like local file shares that are constantly backed up. As an end user, for me, it's just easier to deal with like a local file share. Um, whereas our company keeps pushing us to cloud storage because it makes sense at a macro level because it's cheaper, et cetera, et cetera. But I know that me as a user, whenever they roll out and say, oh, now we have Microsoft OneDrive or whatever the hell it is. I'm like, this is now much more of a pain than just right click, save as, boom, there's my map drive. Well, so I think that brings up a, a good point, right? Is that organizations, especially in, in, in sort of mid enterprise to enterprise space um they always try to sell you on these things as being a benefit to you when in reality they're not they're a benefit to the company um, exactly yeah and, and I, I i fully understand that i'm fully cognizant of the fact that we we get efficiency gains organizationally by by doing these things but don't try to sell me on this being good for me um it probably is not good for me especially a, a sort of moderate to high sophistication user you know exactly what you're doing um, and it works for you and and you you now give this no thought so the fact you have to give it a little bit more thought you know for the next week max uh is annoying like it's just going to be frustrating it just is what it is um but yeah, it, it, yeah Levi, this is why we're friends because i would like to see an email that says your storage when we're saving locally costs the company x per year if you switch to the cloud storage it's y per year that to me i would say okay i get it i'm good but don't tell me I, i'm gonna like it better um, but yeah, no, it's, it, it, I agree hundred percent DJ, this sort of concept of, of, is it an actual improvement? Um, and to, to Terry's point, right. Yeah. They, they improved 50,000 things, but if I don't use 50,000 things, who, I, I don't care. Um, like it doesn't, it doesn't benefit me. Um, take, take a very particular example from my work. Um, windows 10 is better at, um, more closely integrating with alternative operating systems so I can run a Linux OS natively um, on Windows 10 um, and run containers and, and a lot of technical things, which are very helpful. Um, it's like a great, great win. It's really a lot more flexible for me. Um, but if I was just an average person and didn't use this, it would be an annoyance. It's just things look, look different. I have to hunt for, for more things, especially as a person who, again, is of moderate uh, sophistication, probably high for the general population, but I'm by no means an expert. Like I know exactly where to go for my specific settings that I know come up every once in a while. Um, 
So it's change sucks. Um, and, and as a person who works for a software company, I try to keep that in mind uh, for customers because, you know, we from the vendor, we, we deal with this every day. So we're used to this change. This change isn't is new to us. But for a customer, they approach it just like I do my Xbox um, or um, anything else is that that annoyance of having to make a, make a thought about technology is annoying. Um, yeah. I think you do a really good job of like basically understanding what the goal of the technology is. And so you can talk to that where it's just like, if the, the goal of the technology isn't working, that, that really frustrates you. I mean, so the whole point of us like playing on the Xbox is to play a game together. And when that's not working, the, you know, whatever update they may have pushed out that, you know, improves something, if the goal isn't working, then, then it's, then it's super frustrating. And like the technology itself isn't like super beneficial, but like when you make software updates for, you know, whatever enterprise solution that you're working on, like you, you're cognizant of the fact that to a large extent, all these improvements in technology are, have a goal in mind and you talk to that because that is a frustration that I feel like we all have. And, and, and Lee, I think that's like what you're getting at in terms of like talking to Levi about these solutions is just like, he talks very directly about the goals. And, and again, I think Spencer, like one of your frustrations, like when we have like all these different software things that we try and get you to do, it's just like, I'm just trying to be able to like email, like I, like why you're telling me about the, all these improvements, like I could do it on my iPhone four that I had for a decade. Like, what goal is actually improving in my life, you know, from, from my flip phone, like, and I, I see that with all the new tech, with all the new technology rollouts you have in my firm of where inevitably when we have new technology rollout or particularly, this is a different category, a new security rollout, which are all too, all too common in firms nowadays. I never think, Ooh, this is going to make my job easier. I'm of the view. Okay. This is going to directly stop the way I was doing my job. And now I'm going to have to learn a whole new way to do it. And you can tell me it's more efficient, but like you guys said, it will be more efficient for the team while preventing the way I've been doing my job productively for the last two years. And I will accept that. I will accept it's necessary now, but it is always begrudging because it's never making what I want to accomplish easier because apparently how what I want to accomplish is now out of date and slowing down the team and the firm. Yeah, so that mentality, so our company is in the next couple of years probably going to adopt an ERP, which is a company-wide software that basically just replaces all of our desperate systems, centralizes everything. Um, and that mentality that you just described, Spencer, is going to be our biggest barrier to success in the ERP because so many people have that where you say, okay, we're, we're rolling out new software and they go, okay, this is going to suck. Yeah, like, damn it. Very conditioned down. We have a bunch of, we've had a bunch of conversations at the corporate level of like, how do we preempt that initial reaction? Because ultimately I do think it's going to be a better system. Everybody's going to work more efficiently. It's going to be better for everybody, but there's short-term pain when you, you have to learn it. It's like you, you offer the example of local storage versus cloud storage. Cloud storage is all the rage now because it's much easier for the team to access all materials, to have everyone on the same page and be able to see where everyone is at any given moment. You can all edit the same document much more easily rather than having everyone just email the locally stored version. But it takes longer and it uses and it's a system you have to log into. And it is even for a few seconds more cumbersome than me going to my desktop with a folder I've created and opening the document and just emailing it to you. Yep. And it does not take much for someone to go. I'm annoyed by this. As you guys said, the moment a, tech, a new technology interferes with the method by which you enjoy something, even for a half second of delay, 
it is now bad or it is now worse in your mind, even if it's ultimately more productive. It does not take much for someone to get their hackles up about what the new technology is requiring of them. And that's why I think in that particular. when you're talking about these sorts of corporate-wide changes, it has to be top-down. And that's what I've been pushing to my company. I'm like, everybody's going to have to hear from their executive, you are doing this. Otherwise, everybody can resist it. Hundred um, percent, and it is interesting, by the way, in this space because there there are certain things in the technology space that have that changes that have happened to companies that have a very very good uh, delivery model that are really annoying. For example, uh, Dropbox. Dropbox for years has been a cloud storage company. You, you have it running on on your computer. It syncs data. Good, great. Does exactly what you want it to do. Um, they've been trying to pivot more into sort of this file management having a browser for your files as opposed to you just going to you know my computer and going to the dropbox folder and clicking on stuff um, and they've been pushing this because it, it it's probably more beneficial to them as a company but it's very annoying to you as a user to say i don't have to deal with that i want something that runs and just does stuff um i don't i don't want a a, a new way of browsing files i know how to browse files i, I do it all the time um i'm going to do that um yeah. i want your technology to assist with what i'm already doing rather than have me do something new yep and so, like, I, I wonder if some of it, like, I, I, I guess because I, I work in the space that I work in, like, we get explanations for everything. Um, sometimes maybe when we don't even want them. But, like, so for, for the lab that I work in, um, the my, my boss basically just hates paying for stuff that he can do himself. And so we have, like, a local server that then is backed up and whatever else. But... We have like long conversations about like, this is why data management is important. And this is like, a, and you know, there isn't as much of an enforcement of like how to do every specific thing, but like the amount that it's drilled into us that, you know, maintaining data in many, many places, um, I feel like is probably like very different from pretty much every other space. And, it, you know, there are probably just other costs in us losing data uh, compared to other uh, professions. Um, but a lot of the times we, we get a lot more information in any given technology, whether it's, you know, a new piece of equipment, a new piece of software, uh, a new uh, chemical scientific product, we get a lot of the cost benefit. Like this is the cost you know, our cost is higher because than these other people, but, you know, it's internally validated. And so we get a lot of the, this is why you should use it. These are, you know, the pluses, these are the minuses. This is like the amount of time it should take you or it might take you to switch over, but this is the benefit to doing it. Um, and my gut reaction is I feel like it would be helpful to other people to get that spiel. Um, but... I just I, like I don't know how it would like work in any other space. No, I mean those considerations are important, and that's something that, that I know Terry, you and I have had, had conversations about that because you guys are switching to um, a, a particular vendor, or at least it was it was talked about for for many for a little while. Um, and and the answer is like, yeah, it's going to suck for a little bit. It's just going to it's going to change. Um, the the, the planning phase is important, like getting a, a survey of the people who are stakeholders in the process and making sure that you adapt to their workflows so they can actually do their job as opposed to not do their job um, is important. But at some point you're gonna have to just like be transparent and just make a decision. Yeah, and also I think that in some companies, probably not in your space, Levi, as much, but in some companies you have people who are really, really don't understand technology or really 
hands off with it, don't want anything to do with it. And they will often like hand things to the person they think is good with technology. So as weird as it might be from our friend group, I'm that person in our my immediate uh, workspace where everybody just, my computer's not working, call Terry. I come over, I Google it, I fix it. You can give your, go ahead. Sorry, I've been made in a room. You're fine, go ahead. I We straight up see that particularly in law firms a lot of where when a new technology rollout goes out, even like minimal degrees, like when a new update, we have to submit our hours for whatever build hours we work. A new update rolled out to make it, quote unquote, easier for you to type in and submit your hours, including even on your phone. We had an issue of where secretaries are having a hard time doing their job because other attorneys would just say, I don't know how to use this and just hand them their hours. Now have new people submit their hours. Any new technology rollout would have that if where certain people suddenly have to complain that I don't have time to do my work anymore because people that aren't getting enough training on this or just ignoring the training are now just putting all of it on me instead. Yeah, and I think, so this is a little different than what I was explaining because I think what you're talking about is people who are high up, high enough in the organization that they can be a little bit entitled about it and say, I don't want to do this, somebody else do it. You're, I'm talking about people who just really bad with technology and they lean on somebody else because the number of people at work that do that with me and when we roll out new technology, they look at me and as a trusted voice, like, is this good or is this bad? And if I tell them it's good, they're willing to do a little bit more work than I think they otherwise would to try to learn the new product. That's a good mindset. I was going to say, I feel like we're getting into an interesting space with technology and like how stuff is sort of streamlined, which is a very like weird place for specialized and specific like users. And so like, it's weird to me in, in many ways that like Spencer, like you have to document your hours and input them and things like that. And I have a friend who's an MD that, uh, again, like has to write up and submit things in like a very specific way. And when like an organization changes things that it's at least partially on them to, to learn something new and change something. And it's just like, the job that you have, and this is, I think, getting to like the the issue that we've been talking about with technology is it's like, is it improving the goal, which is like the goal of your profession, Spencer, as far as I understand, is to like understand and like deal with legal issues, whether that is in court or like settling between, uh, you know, different companies, people and whatever. Mm-hmm. like any given change in like how you figure out how to build people like is, is might be an improvement for the firm, but isn't going it, to, it, it's, if it takes more time, it's only going to make the, the function of your role worse. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it's like this weird dichotomy of like an improvement for the business and how they run can be a detriment to like the the function that they are trying to uh, provide for other people. And then there's this weird space of like specialists doing things that might be better suited for like a having somebody employed to do it. And it's like you guys have secretaries and, and like medical offices have billing people. And there's like this weird like having specialists do things to streamline something for a business and technology to like improve their ability to do it. And then that being just like, all right, well, you know, as a doctor now, part of your job is like figuring out like 
being part of that streamlined process to like have the bill come out right. So, and so, so BJ, not to I say this with with, with all affection, um, you're used to being in an ivory tower. Um, people track their hours in pretty much every walk of life um, for, for the vast majority of jobs, whether they're hourly employees, whether people who are basically mini consultants, for example, my partner, Terry, Terry, I'm sure tra tracks your hours against projects. Um, Spencer tracks his hours. Um, th that's incredibly common, um, whether it should be the case or not. Right. Like that's just like a, that's a thing that exists in the world. Um, and so like, I think some of your surprises because you don't have to necessarily do it as much. Um, like you don't have necessarily a target, right? Like, um, yeah, I, but, but I guess I'm, I'm like talking a little bit more general where it's just like, for me, like if every couple of years there was just like a completely new submission process for grants or like, uh, protocols that I have to submit to the university. And it's just like, well, all of these things are going to be more efficient for the organization. And it's like, all right, well, then I have to take time from something that I'm doing to go along with the efficiency. I'm not just like tracking hours, like at what point, like, is this improving like the goal of the actual work? Yeah, I'd like to point out here that leave out to your point. So when you're working on federal contracts or grants um, as a direct contractor or a subcontractor or all the way down, you are required to track your hours because that's how you build a government for certain types. Like if it's a yeah. type agreement, time materials, that sort of thing. Um, but what happened like 50 years ago is that the government had all these contractual vehicles where you have to track your hours because that's how you're paid. And specifically professors in universities flatly refused to do it. <laughs> and yeah. for years, universities had grants and they were out of compliance with them because they were just submitting bunk hours because the professors just said they wouldn't do it. They're just not going to. And it got so bad that the actual, the federal government codified a specific exemption just for universities from having to keep time under cost type grants. So they actually <laughs> included a regulation simply because <laughs> professors said, I am not going to do this. It wasn't that they can't do it. It's that they just did not want to do it. So I will say that like the other side of it is that there are a lot of other federal programs that have like weird rules written in because um, there was the um, overtime laws going in. Um, and basically for postdocs, the NIH salary was below that line. And so they salary essentially, cap, you mean, right? yeah, the salary cap. And so they knew, and they were very much right that it would be cheaper to raise everybody's salaries rather than be under the salary cap. And so. There's a lot of like stuff that goes on in, in the academic area, which is basically like, all right, well, if people track their hours and we had like any law that had anything to do with like how much people work, like how much they actually work. And, and like, I know Levi was this way when he was working in a lab in a psych lab, like, I mean, yeah, you're not putting in like hours at a, a factory or something like that, but there are like weeks that there's no way that I'm working 40 hours. I mean, well, that's, that's pretty common for contractors. And what, what happens is you, then you would use what's called total time accounting. So you would track your actual hours and there'd be a portion down to a 40 hour week. And that's how it got billed to the government. Um, what I see in universities is simply 
unwillingness. Like, <laughs> and that's for, by the way, that that provision is just for federal grants and cooperative agreements. That's the federal financial assistance space. Federal contracts still require it. So we often will onboard universities under actual federal contracts, and they now have a time reporting requirement. And ICAF sat an unknown number of meetings with universities where I'm talking to their office of sponsored research, and they're saying, yeah, yeah I'm sorry, my guy's not going to do it. He's just not going to. He can, he can lie to you every month if you'd like, but he's not going to track his hours. By the way, BJ, I, I, just to make it very clear for, for people listening in, what you're sort of gesturing to is the fact that um, there were, were overtime requirements that you had to make over a certain amount of money in order for you not to be paid overtime. Um, and if you actually did a realistic analysis, especially of postdocs and, and grad students, uh, they would be paid under this under this threshold and potentially even under like, you know, minimum wage laws and stuff because they work insane amount of hours for very little pay. Um, yeah. That is just like, in, it's it's a different world. Um, let's put it that way. It's a different world than than the sort of private space, um, because they do have these exemptions both for for the, you know, um, they don't want to do certain things, but then also some of the people are being basically exploited um, and being told to work unreasonable amounts of time uh, for very little payoff. I think both are true. Yeah, guys, is it time? Is it time? For, uh, I I think we're ready. Right, let's uh, do I don't it. Think we'll ever let's be ready. Third whiskey. This one has not. two pieces of scotch tape on it. Um, Spencer, I, I really do want to see your. Uh, <laughs> it's very fragrant. Um, peanut brittle. Straight peanut brittle. As I open up the 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 top on the bottle, it's very clear this is peanut butter um, whiskey because it was like peanut brittle opening. It was it, it was so sugary and molassesy. Uh, it was like getting off an old maple syrup uh, top. <laughs> so the smell really reminds me of the inside of a Reese's Pieces. Or a it, peanut butter it cup. smells like fucking peanut butter. There's no doubt. By the way, it, it, it pours in a very viscous state. It, it, it pours in a very sensual manner almost. Um, <laughs> I like that you're trying to talk it up. Um, Sponsor, I want you to talk so your your uh, video pops up on on what I see as you try it. Okay. Uh, I mean, it smells, like you guys said, it smells exactly like I've just opened the pack of Halloween candy Reese's Paces. Um, it is such a pronounced smell of peanut butter. Oh, uh, it's... Mm. It, does, uh, it, it, it does smell good. Like Reese's Pieces are really good. Oh, that is bad. That is... That is a flavor I wouldn't want mixed in there. It tastes like... Yeah, it tastes like I took a big dollop of peanut butter, put it in the microwave, melted it into a bit of a liquid, and then decided to drink it. It, 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 it If you're aiming for a peanut butter flavor, it's dead on. It's peanut butter. But that's just not what you're <laughs> in this. I, I like the, the Lee, Lee, your your reaction was, I, I feel like you were about to just like walk away from the pod. From having tasted that, oh, man, that was bad. Um, I, I'm still still getting up the. Uh, oh, you haven't started yet. It's your your turn. Because <laughs> so I smell everything, especially when I'm tasting something new before I taste it, and and it's and like I reasonably like like Reese's peanut butter cups and stuff like that, but but my stomach is just not. Have you guys not ever seen bored with this as much? Have you ever, ever guys ever seen the five pound Reese's peanut butter cups? Yes. 
where the big problem with them is that by the end, you're just kind of taking a big spoon and eating nothing but peanut butter just because they can't put enough chocolate to balance it out. <laughs> it's Attacking candy with a spoon. Because it's a five-pound Reese's peanut butter cup. What else do you do? You have to eat like a pie. Or you can not eat it. That's yeah, I, don't, I didn't know people actually like ate those. There are gag gifts that people just like kept in the corner and were like, ha, 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 I could eat that. All right, so here's my so review. It tastes a little bit more like a liquor, a liqueur, than an actual whiskey. And that yeah. bears out in the proof. It's 70 proof. Um, it's thick. Uh, the worst part about it to me is the aftertaste. It feels like I just ate, like, like at Spencer's point, like burnt peanut butter. That's the aftertaste for me. It kind of I, give it, I give it a 0. 0. 0.5 out of 10. I, I wouldn't go is, is, is is tolerable. Um, the back of it is just rough. Uh, the aftertaste is terrible. Is aftertaste. Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so what, what, what I was going to say is like, I feel like it's in those that like SoCo Goldschlager, like realm of things where it's a little bit cloying. And I'm sure that there are college parties that this is, you know, hundred percent where people go to. Um, but I just fucked up my half of half a cup of coffee by pouring it in there. Um, <laughs> and, and now I'm going to dump that, that cup of coffee. Cause That's the best part of waking up. So here, here's maybe a way you could use it, right? Could you put a little bit of this in with like a chocolate liqueur as like a digestif at the end of a meal? If you made no. a liquid Reese's pieces, maybe. Yeah. I feel, I feel like this would be like a, you know, you're having you're doing like pairings or something like that. And you're just doing something amusing. Um, or we can have a separate podcast series where we do pairings of liquor with, with candies. Um, so like what pairs well with Twix as opposed to Reese's pieces. And it's funny that you say that Buffalo trace had a, um, like Instagram, Facebook posts or whatever that did, um, common Halloween <laughs> candies. Um, and uh, what whiskey would pair well with them, and mostly from the Buffalo Trace portfolio, but I think not all of them. Um, and, and I thought that was actually a, a fun way of going around. Um, I think that there is baking that you could do with this. I feel like this might go well in like a banana bread or something like that. Yeah. Um, but an idea, yeah. I've still got my Halloween bowl of uh, giant Reese's chocolate bars next to the door. Should I try to mix one in here and see what happens? Giant speaking of speaking of that, uh, Spencer, what? so you handed out giant you know, for Halloween. Um, how many kids did you have come by? Um, we went to Costco and we got the massive series of full chocolate, uh, full candy bars of all kinds. Uh, we had about fifty of them, just in case, so we could give out you know one or two to each kid. Uh, and this is our first Halloween at this new house. We had one kid. How much candy have you eaten since then? Uh, me none, but the bowl has started to evaporate, so someone's eating it apparently. That Do rabbit people live in your house. That's why the rabbit is, is uh, backed up. So <laughs> the rabbit and the dog. So that that group. It's not the dog. Spencer, dog chocolate. Yeah, <laughs> we do not. I know enough. That'll kill the dog. So mm. Spencer, to your question, yes, you should go get Spencer. a piece of chocolate, put it in your your glass. Yeah, one moment. Um. So so on the uh, subject of of. Uh, trick-or-treating, I feel like there are two questions that I wanted to ask you guys that are um, 
is the season. So uh, I actually probably should have brought this up for my own brand. So um, I I don't know. I, so I've spent a lot of the past Halloweens either. Uh, I think one was during a conference. Uh, I was prepping for a conference or something like that. So I was at work late for various reasons. So I haven't actually done uh, answered my door for for trick or treaters, and I usually like leave out a bowl of candy. Or um, there was one year where I was just like super busy with work that I didn't do anything. This year, however, I wasn't as busy with work, and so I was home. Um, and my on brand was um, I didn't want to keep pants on and have to deal with trick or treaters. So I put out a a bowl of candy, even though I was a hundred percent home, and I you know, it was half gone by the time I got back. And I was like, oh, I had some trick-or-treaters. And somebody was like, well, either that or some kid just like stole half the uh, bowl of candy. Um, but I was very happy not to interact with trick-or-treaters because that I feel like that would just been an invasion of my evening. So, Levi, I can't imagine that you had trick-or-treaters, though I desperately want there to have been like old people dressed up like with walkers like coming by and knocking on your apartment door. That just that image just thoroughly amuses me, but I 100% don't think that happened. Uh, yeah, it did not happen. We did not have an area one. Um, so for the listeners, I live in a um, apartment building, condo building. I mean, just that. Uh, Jewish retirement homes. community um, that happens to be part of a uh, an apartment building. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the sort of humorous feel is that we have a doorman, not because we're fancy, but because we have a lot of old people here. Uh, and they need help getting in the door um, when they go for their walk to go get groceries from Trader Joe's. Um, we had nobody, which, by the way, is a is a real failure of imagination of kids. I think kids today are just so lazy. Like this building is perfect. Get in this building, go door to door. You got a bunch of Jewish grandmothers. Like you're going to get food. You're going to get candy. It's going to be great. Now it's going to take a couple of years for this to build up in tradition. So they make sure that they have candy around. But once that, you know, that, that spigot gets untapped, it's going to be just a prime opportunity. There's, there's such density of people that are willing to give kids candy here that it, it's really a failure of imagination of, of kids in the area. The first, the first like Halloween, you get invited in and just like, yeah, like we have a chicken dinner, like, you know, come sit down and eat. And it's like, I, I just want some soup. candy. We've got a Reuben sandwich for you. Do you want to take that for the road? <laughs> we'll wrap <laughs> it up. Same boat. Foy -foy. My, uh, my community here, I live in a townhome, not an apartment building, but it's mostly old people. Like I asked one of the neighbors, are we going to get trick-or-treaters? And he said, well, we, sometimes we get a stray grandchild. <laughs> that was the answer. A stray grandchild. I love the phrasing. Hansel and Gretel. Are you talking to Spencer? Because that that hundred percent sounds like something Spencer would say. I have said that <laughs> phrase before. Yeah. By the way, Terry, as well. I mean, your 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 area is also a failure of imagination of local kids. It's a lot of grandparents. It's a lot of people who, if they knew that they'd be getting trick or treaters, they would be ecstatic to give out 100%. good candy. Like not candy corn. We're talking about maybe even full candy candy bars. Like craziness. Um, Kids need to be better at scouting opportunities. Yeah, this, this community would get totally behind it, but we didn't get a one, not a single one. One, one place I was in a couple of years ago, we, we knew we had a lot of kids there from the prior years. So we said that we were not only going to give out full-size candy bars, we were going to give out glow sticks too. What we didn't anticipate was that late in the evening, we'd have a hell of a lot of teenagers showing up because they'd heard there were glow sticks at our house. And so we had a line of teenagers in vague costumes just asking for glow sticks. No, don't candy. We want the glow sticks. All of them fucked up. That was a different kind of Halloween there. I 
feel like of things that teenagers could show up and to your house and have happen, asking for glow sticks is like this is true. Maybe the best outcome. Um, so I so the other question, and then I, I want to come back to to the Halloween thing, um, is we just had uh, daylight savings time, so we fell back. Do you guys feel like it's worth it? I mean, I feel like everybody enjoys the extra hour that that this provides, but is it worth the spring forward hour that that is the worst thing? Because I'm I'm definitely like you know nope. it's fine to get an extra hour, but I I hate losing an hour. Nope, it's also not worth it that you know it. We're the only country that well, one of the few countries that does it, and so when you have international people you interact with too, that also is just annoying and cumbersome twice a year as well. And then the the follow up to that is, do you have anything in your house that you actually set the time on? Because like I know my microwave and oven, like they're always off time. But like I imagine Spencer, you don't update them? No. <laughs> why? Like why would I do that? Like you I don't have to update them. You have to update I, them, BJ. I don't reference them for time. Oh my God, BJ, you are. God, you're just like a you're just a renter. You know, you, you just don't care about things. Um, of course you update them. <laughs> you update everything. You're, for me, it's the coffee maker, microwave, and, and oven. I'll update all of those things, as well as my, my, my wind-up watch that I have on my wrist. Um, update all these things, um, and that's the thing you do. I actually still have the two ha uh, little, uh, those, those classic black, black plastic white, uh, white center uh, clocks that hang up my wall. I've got two or three of those in various rooms, <laughs> so I have to adjust those. Are you saying, uh, cla is it classic or just like stuff you had in college and haven't gotten rid of? It, both. Mm -hmm. Did you raid like an elementary school for your house furnishings? Uh, two of them I got at a yard sale, so they may have come from an elementary school. <gasps> no, yard sales? Why would you have bought a clock at a yard sale? Oh my god. So, Was so this for a Halloween question. costume that you were wearing in law school? Because I do remember your Flavor Flav uh it's not that awesome. i uh, can just imagine it's like well i had the clock i may as well put it on the wall she had like three clocks for a dollar like oh well okay i'll put this on a wall and i'll know what time it is <laughs> Ooh, that's well, a good deal follow-up question um a firm price how <laughs> how frequently do you, do you go to yard sales spencer uh bridget adores them she loves yard sales and they're really a pretty common thing down here in florida because we have so many old people moving down with all their stuff and then getting rid of it for reasons of both clearing out and also dying and so there are yard sales going on all the time Jesus. i have some uh, as a person, as a person who recently moved um the the concept of moving and then having a yard sale is really confusing to me but you know, yep. I'm not old. Not how I would do it, but apparently, old when various old people move to retire in Florida, they bring everything and then get rid of it in various cycles. I assume realize that they don't have anywhere near as much space as they thought they did, and then like have to downsize. Um, I've been meaning to go to like more yard sales and estate sales because like sometimes you can find interesting things there, and I just the amount that I want to. A, have cash on me, essentially, because some places are taking credit cards, and B, like, deal with talking to people to, to buy the things I want. It's just not high enough for, like, finding some interesting things. And, like, I've gone a couple of times, but just not not as often as I feel like I should based on, like, being able to find things, like, um, 
interesting like watches and cooking gear and stuff like that which you can usually find at like super good prices and that not wanting to talk to people but also um wanting to get like a good deal on something is is has not balanced out to actually going to to more of them um, can we back up because bj you have a way of asking a question and then saying something after it such that nobody ever answers the question because the original question was do you think it's worth it for the hour Yes. Right? But then the, the time, the clock thing got tacked on at the end. Um, <laughs> so let me address the first question. Uh, I totally think it's worth it, but I'm a person who has more taxes taken out of my paycheck than need than, than I need to because I like to get the check every March, right? I think it's the same sort of idea. I'm willing to deal with that, that pain in the spring because this is my favorite day of year. I get an hour back. It seems like it should be 210 right now. You pay extra in taxes just because you like getting the subsidy? Yep. Refund them in? Subsidy. Yes. I meant refund, no. sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I do. I, Subsidizing I, I, I the government. <laughs> I have them take out the max. For the, well, for my company, I say take out, his, take out the max in that range, knowing that I'm going to end up getting a bunch back. But I like that. That's very interesting. Also, BJ, I could really see you getting into like vintage Pyrex. Like you just being being really interested in making sure you have good good collection sets of of things things forged in the eighties, uh, because 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 that's before they switched their their this composition. fucking changed those assholes, and you. So, <laughs> it begins. You, you have different Pyrex in in Europe than you have in the U.S., but like the U.S., you, you can tell by the uh, the the lettering that is actually on it whether it's Boris. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Listeners don't know right. this is a thing. By the way, great call. It, it, it both is a thing. I also knew it was the case, and I and I didn't I didn't know ahead of time, but I knew in my heart of hearts. I just knew that BJ would have a firm opinions on this matter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or silicate versus soda glass. Yep, yep. This is this is my uh, you know things Josh likes version. In answer to your question. Answer your question, PJ. Totally not worth it. Annoyed by it. We should stop doing it. Um, in terms of uh, daylight saving time, fall forward, fall, fall back. Uh, and in terms of adjusting clocks, I probably have about nine different kinds of clocks in the house that I adjust each time this happens because they don't adjust automatically. Spencer, so, do you so get a paper? I do get a paper twice a week. From whom? Or do you get? Uh, Sun Sentinel, local paper. Liberal rag. It's nice to have local news because it's hard to get it otherwise. By the way, uh, so uh, BJ, to have a callback here. Um, so Terry, you are comfortable with uh, daylight savings time mm -hmm. because it's nice to get an hour back once a year. Um, you don't care about the number of people who die, the, the statistically abnormal number of people who die um, in spring because of uh, the, the, the spring forward. Uh, this is the first I'm hearing about it, but I'll have my people uh, draft a statement on this issue, um, and we will we will discuss. My campaign will discuss a, a, a official position soon. Thank you. God bless America. Um, so, so the other thing is um, my my lack of participation in Halloween and and sort of ma many things around it. Like I'm not a super fan of the horror genre in general. Um, do you guys? Do that any any of that for for Halloween, um, like the so the one thing that I sort of do this time of year and I don't know why it's become a tradition, which is um, I off will watch uh, V for Vendetta on November fifth, um, but like essentially other than that, like I don't 
do I don't really do Halloween parties or, or really dress up like in college. Yeah, you know, it was an excuse to drink, but um, but anything sort of with the the horror genre of things just isn't on my plate. And I feel like, but it's something that people do around Halloween. So sidebar, uh, Terry, I'll, I'll let you know that the Waltham office of your company does not really get into Halloween much like the, the corporate headquarters in, in Durham, North Carolina. Oh my God, our fucking corporate headquarters is insane. Like everyone dresses up, no one does shit. And I was so proud this year. Nobody, me, nor anybody on my team dressed up. And it was so funny because like all of the different groups that we're co-located with did group costumes. Like one did Harry Potter. I think somebody did Game of Thrones and my team did nothing. Wait, you weren't <laughs> behind doing Game of Thrones costumes? No, I don't like to dress up. I'm a grown man. He also likes efficiency and, and being productive. Um, so stop this nonsense. Yeah, I just feel like just just send us home. Like nobody's doing any work. Everybody's running around to different offices and be like, oh, look, I dressed up as blah, 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 blah. Like I'm not getting work done. Just send me home. Uh, bankruptcy hearing on Halloween. I'm working. It's a full, it's a regular day. Yeah, that's what we should be doing. Did that make you happy, Spencer? No, it didn't. I had to drive to West Palm to do it. <laughs> I know what you meant. Still, I'm answering the question accurately. Like, I know. Uh, yeah, so there's nothing that I do um, that I go out of my way to do, BJ, to answer your question. Um, I, I do like watching scary movies around Halloween, but the problem is, is that my, my partner, she hates them, so I can't really watch them. I have to watch them when she's gone. Um, she will be she will be gone uh this coming Wednesday through through up to Friday, she's traveling for work, which means Levi gets to, to fit in a little bit of scary movie time uh, for himself. Um, my go-to there typically is The Descent, which is the most terrifying movie of all time. Um, it is absolutely horrifying. Um, it's very good. Have you seen the alternative ending? I have not. There's an entirely different ending to that movie compared to the one they released in theaters, and it's it, better it's better so it's so it's it's like the opposite version of 28 uh, days later which also is a great great sort of modern horror movie um, which has an alternative engineering which which i don't necessarily like but um but no i don't do that pick a lane yeah just like it's a little too george lucasy like just pick a story Hmm. and tell it i feel like having alternate endings that like different theaters see having that be like a thing that's part of the experience. So when people talk to each other, they will get like different stories is a thing, but like being unsure, of like the idea that you have, I think is bullshit. One thing I find interesting is that a lot of horror movie alternative endings were the ones that were originally planned. And then the test audience didn't like it. A classic example of that is you guys ever seen I am legend with Will Smith. Yep. It's not a horror movie. No. It, it's, it has horror elements. But it's based on a horror short story, which is really good. And it's, I like it, BJ, sorry. Um, but oh, I was making faces at the short part. Anyway, go ahead. It's, a, it's not a long, it's not, I'd call it a novella maybe, would you call it that? Yeah. Sure. But the original ending that they planned for it much more tracked that story and including doing what the title actually means. And then test audiences didn't like it. And so they scrapped it and went the completely different ending, which is so much worse and makes no sense for what the rest of the film did. Purely because t- that's what text o- test audiences like better. I think for The Descent too, the original ending they went with was the, now the alternative ending. And test audiences found it too depressing. And so they scrapped it and went with something else. So I think that's a good lead in for my uh, <clears throat> take on this conversation. So 
I love horror movies and I watch horror movies every Halloween or I did until I got married and my wife told me she hated them. So I stopped the tradition. But normally what I would do is like all the lights off in the house. Let's bang through two or three of these. Good drink in my hand. Enjoyed it. That's fun. This year, my wife decided she wanted to watch a horror movie. She was tired of being a person who was scared of horror movies and having that have power over her. So she said, I want to watch it. And I asked her a series of questions, one of which was, now, do you really want to watch a horror movie or do you want me to kind of put you in, you know, the, the, the shallow end of the pool first? She said, no, give me, give me the real stuff. I want it. I want a real horror movie. So I picked The Ring. Interesting. It's aggressive first choice. Mm-hmm. I picked The Ring and shout out to her. She watched the whole thing. We didn't have to turn it off. We didn't have to turn the volume down. Everything was good. She came home. She, she slept. slept. Yeah. yeah, she slept that night. She handled it. Now, one of the reasons I picked The Ring, I know The Ring is like one of the probably top maybe 10 horror movies of all time, if not five. I mean, it's really, really good and it's scary. Is that there's all these like elements in it that you can use or that you can analyze as just a film critic. So like there's a lot of callbacks to like Hitchcock movies. There's literally at one point uh, the the protagonist looks across a, a, a high rise building and sees a guy in a wheelchair looking out of a window like <laughs> there's all these callbacks to Hitchcock. So I think she was able to like analyze those and get herself out of the like boo element of the movie. Well, she did a, she did a very good job uh, that now I think we, we maybe going forward, we're, I can get back on the trick of uh, the, um, the rhythm of watching a couple horror movies every Halloween. Nice. That, that is, that is exciting news. I'm, I would love to, to, to strategize ways to convince my partner to actually be, be okay with watching horror movies uh, because that is, <laughs> It is fun. Um, yeah, they're just, great. So I guess my question out after that story is, do you guys think The Ring was a good choice? And if it wasn't, what would you have shown someone watching their first horror movie ever? Uh, for your wife, it was a good choice. It was intellectual enough, um, plus also scary to get the sort of elements of things to keep, to keep her engaged during the, the, the doldrums of, of horror movies, but also give her something uh, that actually is scary. It does do shock horror, right? Um, the sort of surprise horror, um, yeah. which which is a bit cheap in a way. Um, I think we were talking about that earlier, right? Is that the sort of suspense buildup is something that modern horror doesn't do quite as well, uh, at least the most popular horror movies. Um, but it was a pretty darn good entree into things. And like, if she's down for that, she's down for a lot. Let's put it that way. That was my thought. It's like, well, let's just let's just figure this out because if you can deal with this movie you're in. Otherwise, we're going to have to really soft shoe around what we show you. I know that. Um, I'll, let, I'll let you go after Spencer because I don't have all that much to say because like, I'm just not as much of a fan of horror. It's not something that I've enjoyed as much. And so one of the things that we used to do that I thought was fun, it's like we'd watch like some good, but also some like really bad movies um, when we got together. Um, and I think it was, you know, when we would spend a little bit more of like, you know, three or four days together and just have like some time to fill up and, and enjoy like some good, some bad movies. Um, and my answer, which is uh, probably a bad answer, is I'd probably just go for The Cabin in the Woods. Um, just because it's... Yeah, she already saw that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not really horror. I mean, it sort of is, but, but not really. And Spencer, I will turn it over to you because you actually have... Uh, dog in this fight. I know exactly what I would pick because Bridget adores horror, but she's seen remarkably few films growing up. Her family was just not a family that would watch movies at all. And so she loves horror John, but hadn't seen much of anything I'd seen. And so we said, I was like, okay, let's watch a horror film together. And she tasked me with picking. 
And, uh, I knew that she also liked sci-fi. We're playing through Mass Effect together. And so I went with the original Alien, which... That's good. It's a great film. Very well done. Very kind of tense buildup. And she adored it. And so that'd be my recommendation as a both an excellent film and also a good horror film to start off with. Yeah, I agree. But I, I wanted to pick a movie where there was no doubt that she could deal with horror, right? Because if you watch Alien, it's like, well, is it? do you really like horror or deal with horror? Is it the sci-fi element that you're into? But with The Ring, there's no doubt. It's just a horror movie. Mm-hmm. So Alien's a little slow uh, for, for a sort of modern viewer. Intentionally, it's trying to build the tension. But yeah. I know, it, I know, it, I know what it's trying to do, but it just it's slow to the, the modern consumer of things. Um, mm-hmm. Which a lot of movies from the '70s and, and early '80s, especially, um, have have that tinge too. So I, I think it's a very good choice, Terry, um, of of one that would, would quickly figure out whether or not she's down for it, um, while also giving her enough stuff to actually, you know, enjoy. The next one, where I'm going to try, because I'm going to go up a level. I'm going to see where this ends, uh, and show her Paranormal Activity one. Ooh. Mm. You want to like t- take a pivot and go like Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Hills Have Eyes, maybe? Hills Have Eyes was a good movie. Uh, but... That one's good. Creepy West Virginia. What was the terrible uh, Canadian one that we all watched together? What was it about again? It was like a... Shotgun? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's not a horror movie. That's that's a, a gore movie um, that's uh, over the top and is basically like a, uh, a sort of um, 1930s comedy, but with gore. Um, it was really <laughs> stupid. The film you'd recommended that we all watch together. I'm just curious what category you put in. The film Ravenous. What category that, would you put that in? High comedy. High comedy? Just understood. Okay. Yeah. So, no. Um, so my approach to Ravenous is like Terry's approach to Succession, which is it's basically a comedy. Um, you, gotta, you might think that it's not a comedy, but it is a comedy. <laughs> it's been fun for whenever we, are, whenever we all sit down and like some, one person says, I'd really recommend this film. It's just hilarious to see all of our reactions to it. Levi, you proposed Ravenous, and most of us have no idea how to take it or accept it. Um, <laughs> it was an interesting watch. Uh, Adam proposed uh, Way of the Gun, which is like his favorite action film, and all of us just mostly made fun of it. it. It's really interesting to see people commit to a film and just know what to expect from us when we sit down and watch it. Didn't we way, do the same thing with Human Centipede? Yeah. I've yet to see that film and don't want to, really. Yes, Terry. So to answer that question, Human Centipede was part of a string of movies that we would watch um, after um, staying out later and eating a lot of sandwiches on on a, a Saturday sandwiches. night. Um, <laughs> we would just, you know, overeat on sandwiches. Um, oh, God, that's a funny, that's an inside joke. So Doug, our friend Doug, he used to, when he, he gets hung over really badly and he would talk to his mother the next day and he never wanted to admit to his mother that he was drinking. So he would just say, you know, we just had so many sandwiches last night. I just, my stomach hurts. <laughs> So tired. All the sandwiches. Um, but yeah, we would watch like a crappy movie on like a Sunday morning um, or a Saturday morning. And, and it, it, it was good times. By the way, Way of the Gun. Um, I'm curious. I hadn't thought about that movie in forever. Um, John Wick has replaced that movie. It's like took, took it over that movie. That, the concept of like good, just good action. Um, mm-hmm. John, John Wick is, that, is now that movie. Yeah, it's better done. BJ, so, you're shaking your head at John Wick. Watch yourself. No, I'm, I'm shaking my head at, at the uh, the better done and and uh, just yes. I 
I is funny, and you're just shitting on Adam's pick, which is is why I'm shaking my head. It's not a like I disagree with you. It's it. It's a, oh yeah. Adam, who is a listener of the Wait, show, um, is is going to be upset with us, no doubt. But Adam, yes, uh, John Wick is is the replacement there. Just sub it out. The main thing Adam's been pissed off at us so far is when we all tried Kirkland bourbon and said, yep, this is something Adam would enjoy. We went out and got it and is just so damn angry at us now. It's true. We were basically calling him basic, right? Yep. And and as uh, I feel like he's on brand for, for his family, I got the blame for that, which which is fine. So a funny story. So we, we talked about Hobo with a Shotgun. There's also a movie called Zombie with a Shotgun. And the guy who wrote and produced it follows us on Twitter. He follows Mangum Talks on Twitter. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Celebrity floor? Yeah. We got like we have very few followers on Twitter. We're much more active on Facebook. But yeah, the guy the guy just randomly followed us. Okay. I like it. Apparently there's gonna be a sequel. Yeah. Have you ever seen the movie? Is is it any good? No idea. Maybe that's well, the next that, one we can do. That's a New watch Year's. It. We have to yeah, watch it now. New Year's. Yeah, New Year's. Get we'll get a video on demand. Um, get him a bit of uh, of a royalty check and uh, off the races. It'll be fun. <laughs> Late question, by the way. You previously showed Sarah Silence the Lambs, didn't you? Yep. Would you consider that a horror or more of a thriller kind of thing? See, that's the, that's why I went with the ring because she. I've shown her things that are horror-ish, Cabin in the Woods, Silence of the Lambs, but they were never like, this is purely just a horror movie. And, and actually, like, a, a pretty much we all have consensus as a scary horror movie. We've never, I've never actually showed her that. So that's why I went hard and said, okay, let's just figure this out. If you can watch The Ring, you're good. Because when oh, she weird. watched Cabin in the Woods, she laughed, because it's not really <laughs> scary, it's kind of a stupid movie. And when she watched Silence of the Lambs, I think she was just interested. Because it is a you know it's a cerebral movie, uh, there's suspense elements, great acting, all that stuff. Well, I will say that um, I could definitely see her liking thrillers more, um, and 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 that's where your wife and I have, have similar tastes. That I love thrillers, especially '90s thrillers. Um, they actually invested money in, in that that genre of movie. Um, the last sort of great modern thriller was Gone Baby Gone, uh, which was fantastic. Um, yeah, that was good. That is a genre that just doesn't exist anymore. Um, but I think we're pretty close to wrapping up, yeah? Yeah, I think we are. Uh, anything else we want to cover before we, uh, we break for the day? I think we're good. Mm -hmm. right, well, thank you all for delving into peanut butter whiskey. By the way, if anybody wants to try it, it's called Screwball Peanut Butter Whiskey. Um, well named. It sucks. <laughs> the price point. So I think it's like 35 bucks. Uh, anyway, this is part two of uh, Whiskey Weekends recorded on November 3rd. Thanks, everybody.